You're listening to A Prophet, a collaboration between Sakhlain and Al-Hujja Islamic Seminary. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider becoming our patron by donating at sakhlain.org support. The Prophet ﷺ, when he came to, um, to the city of Medina, at a phenomenal and unprecedented rate, he was transforming the community in Medina. For the first time in a long time, there was no universal messenger who was teaching people on behalf of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the finest levels of knowledge and spirituality. For a long time that had not happened. Since the time of Prophet Isa there was no universal messenger, there were local prophets but no universal messenger. For the first time after 500 years now you have the final messenger of God, the one who has the most knowledge, who has the most complete sharia, the most comprehensive religious system, the most comprehensive legal system coming forth to people and explaining their religion to them. This was unprecedented. So the Prophet in Medina when he had that freedom, he was transforming the society of Medina at a phenomenal rate and this was truly spectacular. Every speech sermon by the Prophet would change their lives. Now the Prophet regularly gave speeches in Medina whether it was in Friday khutbah, the sermon or just seeing his companions Oftentimes, after Salat al-Subuh, after the morning prayer, the Prophet would give a speech. After the prayers, he'd give a speech. So this was common in Medina and the companions looked forward to those speeches. They loved to hear those beautiful words from the Prophet. Initially, the speeches of the Prophet were very brief and short because the Prophet wanted to teach them the basics of religion. Later on, when they became more educated and their intellectual capacity grew, they had more knowledge, the speeches of the Prophet became longer because now he was teaching them the deeper layers of Islam and he was teaching them the legal system of Islam. I'd like to share with you the first speech that the Prophet gave in Medina according to some historians, for example Bayhaqi ibn Ishaq they narrate this, that the first speech ever given in Medina by the Prophet was the following speech, it's very small. It's a very short speech but it's beautiful. In this speech after the Prophet ﷺ begins in the name of Allah and he praises Allah, he says, لأنفسكم. O people, prepare, offer something for yourselves. One day you have to leave this dunya, there's going to be an akhirah. Two words from the Prophet, but they're so beautiful, concise and to the point. Do yourself a favor, prepare for your future, for the future of your soul. And then the Prophet states, فَمَنْ اسْتَطَاعَ أَنْ يَقِي وَجْهَهُ مِنَ النَّارِ وَلَوْ بِشِقٍ مِنْ تَمْرَةِ فَلْيَفْعَلِ Oh people, protect yourselves from fire. How do I protect myself from fire? If 
there is mandatory charity that I have to pay, like zakat, like khums, I have to pay it. Not paying the dues, the financial dues is a major sin. And that can warrant the punishment of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the form of fire. The Prophet says, protect yourselves from fire, even if it's a slice of date. A slice of date. Have you seen a single piece of date? Small, it doesn't have that much value, right? What's the value of it? 10 cents? Less? More? The Prophet says, even that counts. If you give that as charity, as zakat, you help someone out. For the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this will protect you from the fire of hell, from the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you're so poor, you can't even afford a slice of a day. Then what do you do in this case? Say a good word. A positive word. That's your charity. Go to someone and say something nice to them. Be nice to your friends, be nice to your family, teach others, say good words to them. Somebody's feeling down, change their attitude. That will protect you from the fire of hell. One small good word will protect you from the punishment of Allah because that small word will earn you your forgiveness. See how beautifully the Prophet spoke to those early companions? Imagine he's talking to people who didn't know anything. People so backwards, they lived an entire life in idolatry and immorality and the Prophet is teaching them. You can't afford 10 cents? Fine, say a good word. فَإِنَّ بِهَا تُجْزَ And remember Allah is generous. If you do one little good deed, like a small piece of date that you give as charity or a small word that you say, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will multiply it by 10. See, we have some, we have a verse that says, If you do a good deed, you get 10 in return. And then there is another verse that says, when you donate in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah will, will multiply it by 700. Allah gives an example, basically it's multiplied by 700. So some say, which is it, 10 or 700? The hadith of the Prophet here explains it. Using the word ila, the Prophet explains it. The Prophet says, whenever you do a good deed, now you want to get the mul multiplied reward, right? It starts from 10 till 700. Now that depends on how sincere you are. If there's very little sincerity in your work, you'll get 10 times the ajr. That's the least, it starts from 10. And then it goes all the way up to 700. The more sincerity you have with your deeds, the more it will be multiplied. So you offer one good deed, Allah multiplies it by 700. عَشْرُ أَمْثَالِهَا إِلَىٰ سَبْعْمِعَةِ ضَعْفِ وَالسَّلَامُ عَلَيْكُمْ وَرَحْمَةُ اللَّهِ See how short the speech of the Prophet was? Historians like Bayhaqi and Ibn Ishaq, they say this was the first speech the Prophet gave in Medina. The second speech that he gave is also a very fascinating one. It's a beautiful one. This is a speech that we find many, many speakers in the Islamic world, they use the same opening. Ibn Ishaq narrates that the Prophet gave the second speech in Medina. 
He said, Inna alhamdulillah. All praise is due to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember that Allah is the one who gave you everything. Don't ever forget that. So all praise is due to Allah. Every good thing in the universe goes back to Allah. Don't say, oh, I achieved this and that. Sometimes when you achieve certain achievements, even by the way, when we're talking about like humanitarian or religious projects, sometimes you're doing something good. You're helping in an act of charity, you're helping with a mosque, with a program, a youth group, and then sometimes you feel proud of yourself. In what way? Oh, see you, look at my achievements. Remember that's from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So He is to be praised, don't praise yourself. Inna alhamdulillah, ahmaduhu wa asta'inuh. I praise Him and I seek help from Him. Then the Prophet says this beautiful famous quote that you find most Friday khutbah speakers, they mention it. Na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa sayyati a'malina. We seek refuge in Allah from the evils of our souls. See the human being, whenever he thinks of danger, he usually thinks of an external enemy. Right now, right now on the top of your head, if I tell you think of danger and you're protecting yourself from danger, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Person. A person, maybe a thief, a robber, a, a murderer, a gun, somebody wants to hit you. Now if I tell you religiously, be careful from danger, what comes to your mind? Shaitan, yes, obviously that comes to our mind. Or maybe someone who's going to misguide me like a bad friend. See, we think of everything except your own self. And you know who's the biggest danger on you? Your own self. Who knows Arabic? What does this phrase mean from the hadith? Your worst, most avowed enemy is who? Nafsuk, your own nafs which is between you. The source of temptation, desire, deceit, corruption, arrogance. Yes, there are outside external factors, but it's the nafs. So the Prophet starts his sermon by teaching them, Na'udhu Billah, ask Allah to protect you before Iblis, before the thief and the robber and the bad guy. No, before all of them who? Nafsuk, your own soul. We seek refuge in Allah from the evils of ourselves. Sometimes the self can be the most deceptive thing, especially when you do something and you try to justify it. It's the most deceptive thing. The Prophet in this sermon says, the one whom Allah guides, no one can misguide. Salamu alaikum. And the one who's misguided by Allah, nobody can guide. What does this mean? Is Allah forcing us to be guided or misguided? Even the Quran is very clear. Allah guides whomever He wishes and He misguides whomever He wishes. And if Allah guides someone, no one can misguide Him. And if He misguides someone, no one can guide Him. What does that mean? Then someone says, okay, and then Hidayah, I have no, no role in it. Let me just go do my thing and let Allah figure that out. No. 
We have to understand the context of these verses and phrases. See, Allah is the one who gives hidayah. You don't create hidayah for yourself. Allah is the one who gives guidance. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, for Him to give guidance, you have to prepare your heart for guidance. You have to open your heart for guidance. Once you've opened your heart for guidance, you've shown your willingness to accept the truth from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and through your actions, you're trying to show that you accept guidance, Allah will decide to give you guidance. You ask for guidance. And you also have to ask for guidance. Remember, always ask for guidance. That's why every single day, at least, how many times? 10 times in our salah, we say what? Guide us, guide us. Mean it. Next time when you pray, brothers and sisters, don't just say Really mean it from the bottom of your heart. Allah, really guide me. Guidance comes from you. I am showing my willingness to be guided. I really want it. Even if it goes against my personal interests, I want that guidance. Be sincere about it, Allah will give you guidance. If Allah chooses then to guide you because he, He's found you worthy, nobody can misguide you. But if someone, God forbid, deep down in their heart, they don't really want guidance. They want what's in it for them. What do I get out of it? What's in it for me? Where are my personal interests? Haq, hidayah, forget it. If it's compatible with my interests, I'll take it. If it's not, forget about it. If Allah sees a heart like that, Allah might say, you know what, no hidayah for this person. And if Allah says no hidayah for this person, because they've taken the wrong path, nobody can guide them. Those for instance who turn away from the Ahlul Bayt, peace be upon them. Let them pray a million times. Nothing's gonna guide them. You want hidayah, you go through the path of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the Prophet beautifully states this in his sermon. He confirms Tawheed. People, the best speech, the best words are not novels. Novels are bestsellers. People spend endless hours reading them. Not what you hear on movies or films. Not your Sahara sessions and Ghiba sessions as enticing as they are, the best of speech is the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then the Prophet says something very beautiful over here. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَيَّنَهُ اللَّهُ فِي قَلْبِهِ Who is really the successful one? The one whom Allah has adorned and beautified the Qur'an in his heart. Such that you love the Qur'an, you interact with the Qur'an, the Qur'an really feeds you, it just gives you life. This is the most successful person. Now, let's say I am struggling here. I don't interact with the Qur'an. I may read it, I may hear it, it just doesn't interact with me. Then I must know there's something wrong. I need to fix something in my life. If I'm not finding the Qur'an so comforting to the heart, humbling to the heart, interacting with my heart, and it's the most beautiful speech in my heart. There are barriers that in my heart. That in itself is a signal, I need to do something about that. I may need to remove some of those burdens from my heart. But the one whom Allah wants success for, Allah Yuzayyin will beautify and adorn the Qur'an in his heart. Sometimes the Qur'an by the way, it's not just like any book, it's a tricky book. It depends on how you approach it and interact with it. 
There's a verse in the Quran that says, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْقَاسِيَةِ قُلُوبُهُمْ مِنْ ذِكْرِ اللَّهِ Woe unto the qasiyati قُلُوبُهُمْ Those who have a hard heart, their hearts have hardened. But the reason why their hearts have hardened is because of what? How did they become qasiya? From what? Min dhikrillah. Dhikrillah over here is the Quran. That means the Quran according to one tafsir is causing the qaswa of their heart, the hardening of their heart. How? Isn't the Quran a book of guidance? How can it cause the hardening of the heart? In fact, the Quran in a number of verses makes this point, that those people who are sincere and open their hearts, the Quran will increase them in what? Hidayah. And those who have a disease in their heart, the Quran will contaminate them further. They're spiritually contaminated, the Quran will increase that. How is this possible? Two points here. First of all, the Quran is like a lamp. What does a lamp do? Gives light, shows you the way. So if somebody at night in the past, there's no light, no electricity, wants to deliver food to orphans, a good deed. The lamp will show this person the way to get that good deed done. So see, the lamp allowed you to see your way to do good deeds. What if a thief picks up the lamp? What can a thief do with the lamp? He'll be exposed. He'll go steal. He'll go steal. He'll find his way to somebody's house and steal. But wait a minute, I thought a lamp was a good thing. Yeah, a lamp is a good thing. It shows you the path, but it depends how you're using it. See, the Quran is nur. It's a lamp. It illuminates the way, but it depends in whose hands is it. That's what's interesting about the Quran. And that's why sometimes a person may be reading Quran, Maybe dealing with the Quran, but the Quran is cursing this person and making his heart more hard. Because there are many people who make a mockery out of the Quran. How? If I go to the doctor now and I tell him I'm sick, I have an infection in my throat, the doctor gives me antibiotics in the form of a prescription. Let's say you take that prescription, you take that prescription, you kiss it, you're blessed by it, you put it on the shelf, but you never actually go and get the medicine. What will your doctor say to you? He'll tell you, you're making a joke out of me. I gave you the prescription to go and use it, not for you to kiss it and put it on your shelf. See the Quran is the prescription for the disease of the heart and soul. We have spiritual diseases. Most Muslims, 90% of Muslims, what are they doing? Kissing it on the shelf, maybe in the Fatiha, but they're not using it. That's making a joke out of the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I read a verse right now that says, Don't backbite. Five minutes later, I'm backbiting. That means I'm making a joke out of the Quran. When I make a joke out of the Quran, I start deviating further. The Quran will curse me. The Quran will say, you read me 10 minutes ago and you, you're, you're making a joke out of me. Sometimes if we don't approach the Quran properly and we take it lightly, that in itself, that Quran which you're reading will, will harden your heart. 
But the Prophet says the one who's really successful, Allah beautifies and adorns the Quran in his heart. قَدْ أَفْلَحَ مَنْ زَيَّنَهُ اللَّهُ فِي قَلْبِهِ وَأَدْخَلَهُ فِي الْإِسْلَامِ بَعْدَ الْكُفْرِ وَاخْتَارَهُ عَلَى مَا سِوَاهُ مِنْ أَحَادِيثِ النَّاسِ إِنَّهُ أَحْسَنُ الْحَدِيثِ وَأَبْلَغُ The Prophet is describing how the Quran is the best of speech and the best words. Then the Prophet says something so beautiful here. أَحَبُّ مَا أَحَبَّ اللَّهِ أَحِبُّ اللَّهَ مِنْ كُلِّ قُلُوبِكُمْ this is the second speech according to historians of the Prophet in Medina. Love Allah with all your heart, from all your heart. Such a beautiful phrase. He's teaching those early companions to love Allah, to be close to Allah. Don't just love Allah, love Him with all your heart. Put all your heart in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا تَمِلُّوا كَلَامَ اللَّهِ وَذِكْرَةً don't get bored from the words of guidance and the Qur'an. If you're getting bored, that means maybe that real love is not there. Believe me, when you're in love with someone and you're just deeply in love with someone, let them sit in front of you and speak nonsense. You see that nonsense as beautiful words, right? You can sit there and listen for hours and hours even if they're saying nonsense. Now imagine the book of Allah, which is the peak of wisdom. If I'm not interacting with it, maybe I'm not in love with the Quran. I'm not in love with Allah the way I should be. So I should inspect what are those barriers. Then the Prophet states, وَأَصْدِقُ اللَّهَ صَالِحَ مَا تَقُولُونَ بِأَفْوَاهِكُمْ وَتَحَابَّوْ بِرُوحِ اللَّهِ بَيْنَكُمْ Get to know one another and love one another for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. إِنَّ اللَّهَ يَغْضِبْ أَنْ يُنْكَثَ أَهْدُهُ The Prophet is saying one of the obligations in Islam is to have that spirit of brotherhood amongst you. In one community, love one another, visit each other for the sake of Allah, not for any worldly goal. There's a covenant. The Prophet is Referring to a covenant here. He's saying there's an ahd, you've made a covenant with Allah. Allah doesn't like the one who breaks his covenant. What's that covenant? See, when you accepted iman and faith, now there's a whole discussion whether it was in Alam al-Dhar, the world of particles or here. The point is you accepted iman and faith and you accepted wilaya. You know wilaya was not given to you for free. You may not remember this in the world of souls, but when Allah gave you the wilaya of Amir al-Mu'mineen salam, Allah made a covenant with you. I give you hidayah, it's valuable, it's the most valuable thing I can ever give to someone. In return, you have certain obligations. One of them is to have that spirit of brotherhood in society. Love other people, especially people who share the same aqidah that you do. Love them. Don't allow politics to get in the way and problems to get in the way. If someone has the wilayah of Amir al-Mu'mineen, truly love them from your heart. Yes, you may have differences of opinion, you may have uh, you know, different perspectives, but love them from your heart. This is an ahd, this is a covenant. If I'm not doing this, the Prophet says you're basically breaking that covenant with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Try to see you know, if only the Shias around the world today saw this and understood this and let the wilaya of Imam Ali unite them. It's a covenant. 
Wassalamu alaikum, and the Prophet ends his speech. So I was just giving an example of the first two speeches that historians like Bayhaqi and Ibn Ishaq have narrated that the Prophet gave in the city of Medina. Any questions on that? Many, many of the speeches of the Prophet have been documented, but these are the first. When the Prophet arrived in Medina, these were some speeches he gave. Yes. Was there a question? Yes. Um, say if you like, I know people that say they khatam al Quran like ten times, but do, like I couldn't even do it once because I'm doing it now. But there's things that I don't understand. What do you think is better when you take your time and understand what you're reading, or when you read it like just to tekhtemu? Reading the Quran slowly and understanding it is better and more effective than just reading it quickly. Now this doesn't mean that you shouldn't read it. You know, if you have 10 minutes and you can read five pages, do that. But what's more important is to understand the Quran. So yeah, if somebody did the khatim of Quran 10 times, but they did not even understand what they read. But someone who may did the khatma once, but it took them a full year, that's much more better. Definitely, much, much better. Because the point is to understand the Quran and interact with the Quran and implement the Quran. Reading it is a virtue. But understanding it is the highest virtue. You know what I do say? Because I, I don't know how to read Arabic. I have Quran in English. I put YouTube, Masan Surah Yasin. I listen to him and I read with the words. It's English, Arabic, and the computer language like Bismillah. That's fine. That's fine. As long as you're understanding the verses, you're pronouncing them correctly, and you're looking at the meaning, that's fine. That's perfectly acceptable. Yes. It's khushu'a, you see non-Arabs, and I've seen that <coughs> they read Qur'an with understanding, and tears come out of their eyes. Ah. See the Qur'an, because it's the word of Allah, even if you don't understand it, it has an impact. Yeah. It has an impact. In fact, scientific studies have been done on even plants being exposed to like the Qur'an or the Adhan. It does have an impact. But imagine, imagine if those people who get that khushu' on top of that they understand the depths of the Qur'an. It does wonders then. Yes. It does wonders. The Qur'an says this Qur'an has the power to revive the dead. It has the power to make a, a mountain explode. That's how much energy it has. So even the sound waves of the Qur'an are powerful. But that's not enough to guide you. You need to go to the meanings of the Qur'an.